Good morning. Good to see you. Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for the introduction this morning, for the kind words and the, um, the blessing and prayer. And I want to tell you that when the Lord spoke to me and said, well, actually when Todd called, when he called and said, would you like to speak and preach at, church, at, at Calvary Baptist Church? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. But when I was thinking about the message to deliver, I thought about you. I thought about the kind of person you are and I immediately thought about 2 Timothy 2.2, a man that has given his life to multiplying what God has given him and putting it in the lives of others so that they might serve him also. It's a, a, a blessing to be in a church like that. I'm not sure if you get a full grasp being a member of a church that comes every week of the gravity of the, and the quality of what God has blessed you with here at this church. You're a church of legacy, a church that, went, that people have invested in other people for generation after generation, and we see the fruits and results of it today. I'm on this men's retreat and sitting in the men's retreat this weekend, probably one of the best uh, 24-hour experiences I've had in the last 20 years, being able to see what was happening to that. And by the way, it's incredibly well-designed and uh, well-thought-out and prayed over and delivered, and the kind of men that are there, they're involved in that, that have set that up, they have given themselves fully into investing in other men. And they don't have the barriers of, uh, am, am I going to look odd talking this vulnerably about, about my relationship with Christ or about my family? They set all of that aside because they care about the gospel being imparted into the lives and hearts of these men that they are spending time with. That's why it's incredible. It was a good experience. They're going to come in here in the next service, and I'm looking forward to seeing them. I didn't really want to leave them last night. It was such a good thing. So thank you for being that kind of leader here. For the last 34 years, I've spent my life in collegiate ministry, and collegiate ministry is not a whole lot different than the kind of ministry I just described. We invest in people, we spend time with people, the only difference is we have them about that long, and they're gone. So we impart as much as we can into their lives, and we spend a lot of times on retreats doing uh, you know, ski trips and mission trips and conferences and all these things because they're accelerated uh, periods of time where you can take a relationship and expand it very quickly because people are with you all the time. Now, the last trip I uh, went on like this was uh, probably the most intense of all of these. I counted it up while I was sitting over here. I, I believe I've been on somewhere between 350 and 375 retreats or mission trips or something of the sort since I began ministry. That's a lot. That's a lot. About one a month. And this particular one stands out in my, in my mind more than others. If you have a picture of it, of it here, you can see the, the, the folks that were on this trip. We got the Mexico mission trip. There we go, right behind me. Oh, there we go. Mexico mission trip. This is mostly LSU-BCM. Now, we have four or five uh, Baptist Collegiate Ministries mixed in with that also, but this is mostly the students from LSU. Now, this trip is an annual trip that's been going on for many years, and this particular one was just a little bit bigger. We expanded it to other campuses around the state and uh, got as many people as we could get involved with that so that we could cast the vision to reaching that part of uh, Mexico to all the rest of the campuses. And that's about 200 students. Now you can imagine the logistics of taking 200 students across a border 
into a camp and serving in a city that they have never been in. It was uh, an incredibly busy, busy time. I spent many hours sitting at the border watching people get checked, crossing over and over and over. It was a, an, an intense time. Now, you know how mission trips go with churches, if we've had anybody share about one before. There are things that happen on those trips that uh, really are surprises. Even though we know things are going to happen, there's still a surprise. A bus will break down. On this trip, we had about 20 vehicles taking students down. I was driving one of the vehicles, and um, some of them were brand new, and some of them were not brand new. Some of them were probably shouldn't have gone. One made it halfway, and we had to uh, set it aside, rent another vehicle, get the people across the border. We got into the country. The particular uh, van I was driving was full of uh, fraternity and sorority uh, members from LSU, and we had a great time on the way down talking and uh, getting to know where they were in their faith. We got into the, the camp. They told me to park my, my bus over next to the bunkhouse. I drove over next to the bunkhouse, and as soon as I got ready to put my brakes on, the bus sunk down to the axles. I drove across an ancient septic system, sunk to the ground. Took us the rest of the week to get it out. We had to hire a, a boom truck to come out and lift that thing up and set it over to the side and get it. it would, luckily, I didn't break the axle. That's just one of the things that happened on the trip. Many great things happened. The bus full of pre-med students, they spent the week at clinics and they were doing uh, ministry uh, with those students, with those uh, folks. Basic hygiene was what they were teaching. That was what the, 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 their, their charge was. Then we had groups that taught children. Then we had groups that worked in food uh, clinics and all, all kinds of things were going on around the city. We'd get back together at night, we'd worship, we'd enjoy the time, we'd learn what, the God, what God had taught the rest of the group. Now on the way home, uh, we had more surprises in store for us. The night before we left, we had a big barbecue and uh, the grill was mounted on the trailer and uh, the guys that do the cooking of the week were cooking all, all these burgers and they, it was, it was a, a fun night with lots of music and, and just good times. We closed it up, packed everything up. The next morning, we left right at sunup. About an hour into Texas, something happened strange, and uh, the wind was whipping up around the trailer. The boys that closed down the grill the night before didn't completely put the fire out in the grill. The grill was on a trailer with all of our scaffolding, some of our sound system, and all the puppets. Well, I have another picture to show you what happened to that trailer. Started smoking a little bit, just north of the, of the checkpoint, coming out of Mexico. A little further in, smoked a lot. And by the time I caught up with them and saw it, it was just about in this state. Flaming up, uh, out of control. And now what you're asking or thinking right now is, did the puppets make it? They did not make the trip. We unhooked that trailer from the van, <coughs> drove the, the van away, and we just sat back and watched it all happen. Believe it or not, that trailer has been recovered and restored and is back in ministry again. And when I look at this passage of Scripture, this passage of Scripture is the Apostle Paul. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul is imparting his last words of confidence and encouragement into the life of Timothy. 
He's saying to you, these are some things that I have learned. These are some things that I have experienced. These are some things that you're going to go through. And when you do this, uh, you'll be strengthened and the Lord will be with you. He's encouraging him, getting him to the point of being able to take on the church and be the servant he was meant to be. This passage was written right after Titus. We had 1 Timothy and then Titus and then 2 Timothy. And Paul was closing out his ministry. He says some things that we could spend the whole day on in this first chapter, but I want to get us to chapter 2, verse 2. But I want to read this to you. I've had to switch, by the way. Last time I preached here, it uh, was been about 12 years ago, I think, and I didn't need these things. But now I need them. Got these glasses. I have to print my, uh, I don't have to carry a Bible anymore because I can't read that small print. I have to put it on this paper. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave, gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Now we think that Timothy was probably shy and weak, but he, he probably was not. Paul was saying to him, You don't need to step back or shrink back from what you have been called to do because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to accomplish the very work that you were created to do. Now, do you believe that about yourself? If you're a believer and you're in this room, you're somebody who's given their life to Christ, you were created to be a multiplier. A person that takes the gospel that has been imparted to you and passed on to the next generation. Calvary Baptist Church is a next-generation church, a church that cares about imparting wisdom and encouragement on those that are coming behind us. Verse 9, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. And that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul in prison is saying, all these things around me, I can deal with that. Because I know who I believe in. I know who I trust with my life. Verse 13. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I don't know if he's in this service or not. Is uh, Bill Lurie in this service right now? Is he here somewhere? He's probably teaching somewhere. I met him in the hall on the way in, and I said to Mr. Bill, I want to tell you something. I talk about you all the time. When I speak of a person that, that is faithful at teaching the next generation, I, I think of him. I think of a man that sits in that Sunday school class and teaches the gospel, teaches the word, and does it with great joy year after year after year. He invests in people. This weekend, we were in the Georgia Barnett Center out at uh, Tall Timbers, and when I walked in that room, I saw the faces of men that had stood there and done the work to build that building. 
I think some of them are in the room today. I think saw Rich on this side of the room. Rich, you want to wave at me? Let me know where you're at. There he is. Is Carlton in here anywhere? Carlton was out there all the time. Brother Jimmy Noblet was there all the time. Jack, Jack over here, he was out there all the time. And David Booth was. And we saw people get real with Jesus and get their life on the right track and get on fire for God because of the investment that you made in the future in that building. You cared about the next generation. Chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, there'll be a day, by the way, when um, I'm gone. I've been doing collegiate ministry for 34 years. You'd think I'd graduate. Some of you that have been doing all this work, teaching Sunday school, there'll be a day that we're gone. But we have entrusted this next generation with truth. And the truth is what stands and remains. It's what matters. The gospel that you preached and taught years ago is going to be multiplied into the future because you invested it in reliable people. You as a believer, me as a believer, we're to seek to cultivate the gospel in others. Look for the opportunity to speak truth into people's lives. To take that word that you read every day and, and, and teach that word to others. I was at a banquet about a month ago at Magnese and we were raising money for, for something, doing what we do. And there was lots of people there. Packed out house, great speaker, had an auctioneer. And then we had a man get up and speak at the end of the service. And he was the guy who asked you to invest and what's going on. And he began to share his testimony, and his testimony was this. He said, as a freshman at McNeese State University, I was on campus in the ranch, which is the cafeteria, and this guy walked up to me and handed me a little booklet. And that little booklet talked about my relationship with Jesus and what it should be like. And that man was Todd Strain. Todd was the BCM director there. And Todd told me later on that he had given out hundreds and hundreds of this book all over campus. This guy's name was Chris. Chris now is a lawyer in Lake Charles. He teaches adult Sunday school. He's incredibly invested in the, in the church he's involved in. And he is a big time supporter of collegiate ministry on that campus. And he's a man of God that is investing in the next generation. Todd went out to find him. He didn't stay back in the office. He didn't linger somewhere uh, around the ping pong table. He was out there and he was looking for people to cultivate the gospel in. God will place people in your life to mentor in faith. Every one of you here, all of you have someone in your life right now that he, God has put there in your, in your life to mentor in faith. Now, I got invited to speak at this conference because Brian Crane was the, really the real speaker. Brian Crane was invited to speak, and they, the, the practice of this men's retreat is that speaker invites somebody that's been involved in their life as a mentor or mentee. 
I was Brian's BCM director, and we spent lots of time together. And it was amazing to see Brian preach. And I also was a little set back to know that he was so much better a preacher than me now. I remember him when he was a kid. He was a kid that was in trouble sometimes. And now he's an incredible communicator of the gospel. God put that man in my life to mentor in faith, to grow up beyond me and do what he's called to do. My favorite book is by Liz Wiseman. It's called Multipliers. It's a business book. I have some favorite Christian books. This is my favorite non-Christian book. Multipliers is about developing leadership, about developing people and the the gifts that they have. And I think it's implied God-given gifts in their life so that they can become the best that they can be throughout the rest of their life. And Liz Wiseman, who wrote this book, says this about people who are mentoring other, other people. When leaders teach, they invest in their people's ability to solve and avoid problems in the future. How we reacted when that trailer caught on fire will resonate for generations in the lives of the people that were there that day. They saw an intern jump out of the van, walk around to the back, unplug the trailer, calmly take off the hitch, jack it up, jump back in the car and drive it off. They saw other campus ministers that were there walk up there and and gather the people away from the highway and pull them over and pray with them and patiently wait and not overreact. They saw the example in the fire of how you should behave and how you should act and how you should trust God, and that will resonate in their life and inform their future. When you disciple someone, when you invest in someone, that's what you're doing. You're setting them up and informing their future and their walk with Christ. When you become a discipler, you're no longer the center of gravity. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about what you're investing in them. And your focus is on nurturing them in Christ. Here's some places you meet these people. If you think, I don't have that kind of person in my life, I want to tell you, you probably do. You meet them on your daily common journey. At work. The place you get coffee every day. The grocery store. The ball field. All of those places, God will place people in your life that you can have contact with and and conversations with. And those conversations will lead to a moment that's a teachable moment. And you'll be able to impart from the word what God wants you to say to them in that moment. Now, you do that by having that word in your heart and by knowing it. You're going to meet them at church. You're going to meet them in Sunday school. Uh, Back here in the back. He probably wouldn't want to be called out, but Johnny Williams, I used to sit next to Johnny Williams in, uh, in Sunday school here at Calvary. We were, uh, we were make fun of the teacher buddies for a long time. And through that relationship, uh, I was able to hire Janet as our administrative assistant in the collegiate department, and we would not exist without her. She gets the work done. I talk about it, she does it. Those relationships happen at church. They happen at work. And they're in your family. Probably not a better thing than to be a grandparent that gets to sit at a table across from a grandchild and talk to them about their relationship with Christ. What kind of things do you teach them when you're sitting across that table? You teach them how to pray. 
Simple little prayers. You teach them how to read the Bible and understand what it's saying to them. You teach them how to tell their friends about who Jesus is. Parents do the same. Brothers and sisters do the same. In your family, there's opportunities to teach people. You teach them how to love the church. Now, I want to stop being a preacher just for a minute, and I want to step over here, and and I want to talk about one of my uh, things, an ax I have to grind. Okay, I got an ax to grind. When something happens at the church that you're not happy with, Something happens in maybe in Sunday school or the pastor says something that may have rubbed you a little the wrong way or, or something went on, some relationship went afoul. When you're at home with those children, you do not need to be talking negative about that church. The problem is with you. You need to get it right, get your heart right, get the reconciliation done, uh, work through that situation, and not model to that kid that there's something to be upset with about my church. You need to be godly. You need to be a grown-up. And if you want to complain to your spouse, do it. Go somewhere else besides the house to do it. Work through it on your own. But don't scar the heart and mind of a kid toward the church. Because this is Christ's church. This is the bride. Okay, I'll get back over to preaching. Teach those kids how to face difficulties with grace. How to go through difficult times. How to lean on the Lord when you're broke. How to trust them when someone has betrayed you. How to cry and still be hopeful in Jesus. That's what being a discipler means. Not only are you to seek others, but God's going to give you somebody to mentor and encourage you. I have those people in my life. I've got a man named David James. David James taught me how to witness to somebody at a restaurant on a napkin. And I've done it ever since. He's encouraged me how to be a good dad. He's encouraged me how to be a good boss. I am the boss I am today because of David James. God will send you others to encourage you. Now, these people that are encouragers, including you, you're not perfect. The example is not of perfection. It's of a hungry heart for Christ. A good disciple is someone that just wants to know Jesus more and wants to tell others about him. You won't be perfect. You're you're going to mess up sometimes. But if you do, you have hope. You know who you've believed. And he's able to take care of you. So when I think of Calvary, I think of legacy. That's a good word for this church, legacy. There's a legacy that goes way back before us, way back. Those lives were invested in other lives and were invested in other lives, were invested in others, and suddenly we're here. Legacy. What will your legacy be in this world? Since I came into Louisiana, I've built 
as the oversight person, I didn't do any of the work, well, a little of the work. We've built 12 BCM buildings on campuses, built or renovated. And in those, on those buildings are always little plaques that have the architect's name and the uh, executive director's name, the chairman of the building committee, the director at the time, and the state BCM director. We only have one of those plaques that we have installed because the real legacy is the student that walks into that building and walks out a disciple. And that's what we care about. What will your legacy be? Will you leave a legacy of Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this church, for the people that are members here, for every paintbrush stroke that's been put on this building by a volunteer, to every person that has opened up a Bible, prepared to teach Sunday school, to those that serve meals, to those that drive buses, to those that teach, those that preach. Father, you have blessed this church, and I pray that you would continue to bless them and anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit, that that revival does come through these people in central Louisiana. I believe that's what you're doing and how you work. And Father, if there's anyone here right now that is today, as we've looked into your word, they've been encouraged that the fan has been flamed in their heart to serve you. That Father, they would jump up and serve you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be closing the service in a minute, and I'll be here if you want to talk. There'll be other staff members available to you. If you have a time, uh, a, if God is working in your heart and He's speaking to you, the time to respond is always, always now. When He speaks, respond now.